Hey homeschoolers, I'm Melissa Webb, former full-time classroom teacher and homeschool mom turned full-time business CEO and encourager to homeschool families everywhere. I am determined and dedicated to helping you in this journey that you're on. Yes, I wanna give you sound, educational, practical tips and advice, at the same time making sure that you're enjoying the family journey that you are on. So if you are looking for a place to be encouraged and inspired, you have found the perfect podcast. Homeschooling is a work of heart, is truly the perfect place to start. So welcome. Let's jump in. Well, hey there, homeschooler. So let's have some teacher talk today, shall we? We're going to explore language arts in great detail. I hope you're having a great and wonderful day as you are listening to this. I wish I could see what's going on in your world. Are you doing dishes, folding laundry? (laughs) Those are the things I'm typically doing when I'm listening to podcasts. Maybe I'm going for a walk. Whatever it is that you're doing right now, I hope that it is perfectly paired with this listening moment. So I wanted to go into all the details of language arts because I feel like a lot of the homeschooling parents uh, with whom I interact and speak, uh, they aren't always aware of how detailed and intricate the topic, the subject of language arts actually is. It's the only subject that consists of so many important pieces all in one. So if you have ever had this thought, (laughs) oh my gosh, I must be doing something wrong. Language arts is taking us all day. Have you ever had that thought? Like we haven't even gotten to math yet. I don't know that we'll get to history today. Science, forget it. (laughs) Language arts is taking up so much of our time. Well, here's the thing. If you've had that thought, congratulations, because you actually are doing things correctly. Language arts should be taking up most of your time because it consists of the most parts. So what do I mean by that? Well, in language arts, there are four components. We have the reading component, which is made up of three different kinds of reading. I'll go into those in more detail in a minute. There's the writing component, also three core pieces to be practicing there. And speaking and listening, which I'll go into a little bit more detail, and language. So these four things, reading, writing, speaking, language, those make up language arts. So yeah, that's a lot, right? Well, it's even more than that. Let me tell you what I mean. If we could take a look just at the reading component. The reading component consists of the standards of three types of reading, And this all has to do with uh, language and understanding the complexity of it, um, the increase in comprehension, right? There's different levels of sophistication when it comes to reading. So one kind of reading there is informational reading. So informational reading, you're already doing it. I promise you, you're already doing informational reading. That's when you read for information. So you read your history book, you're actually doing language arts with your history when you're reading. Uh, So again, it is good to have our children reading from science books and history books, um, even 
science magazines, uh, zoo magazines, you know, anything that has them reading to learn something. That's informational reading. There's also literature-based reading. This is a second really important kind of reading. This is where we take novel units. Uh, you may be reading um, Charlotte's Web, for example. This type of reading, literature units, a lot of times families believe that this is uh, independent reading. No, that's actually different. That's the third kind of reading that you need to be allowing and planning for in your homeschooling um, lessons. But literature-based reading is where it's a study of a novel. So this is where you're looking at the themes of novels. Maybe you're even tying in some history as to what's going on. It's a shared and paired reading experience, not meant to be solo and independent. So novel units are great. I, when I was homeschooling and when I taught in a classroom, um, it was always my goal to do three unit studies novel studies every semester. So if you take uh, six to eight weeks on each one, um, that's it, it's doable. It's doable. So consider that as you look at some great novels, uh, I can always give you a list of uh, great novels, depending on the grade your child is currently in. Just let me know if that's something that you would like. Um, so we want to do some of that kind of reading as well. And the third kind of reading that I just mentioned is the independent reading. And independent reading is so critical. Now, this is a nice kind of reading because it doesn't require you. Now, it can be anything. So many times parents seem to believe that their children must be reading chapter books. But here's the truth. Not all children love reading chapter books independently. Some do, some love it. Give them a series and they will be happy for hours. But other students, it doesn't interest them. What does interest them are some nonfiction types of reading materials. So for instance, our son, Adam, was obsessed with animals growing up. He just loved animals, especially reptiles, whether that was snakes or lizards. He was just fascinated. So we made it a point to go to the library every two weeks. We literally came with laundry baskets. <laughs> Have you seen that, mom? Yeah, that was me. Um, we would take as many as we could, and he would pick from this library collection. And he never, ever wanted anything that was like a fun chapter book or a picture book uh, of like a storytelling type of book. No, his independent reads were always to learn about reptiles. And of course, it grew from there and other things interested him too. The independent reading should be what they pick, the children, not you, what they pick. This will increase their love and interest, and they see the value in what's great about books. Books teach us things. So whether it's motorcycle magazines, right, it, it's okay. They're independent reading, which if you have a, a child who it's just hard to get them to sit down, even if it's just three minutes, start with that, and then five minutes, then seven minutes. By the time you find the things that they're interested in and they start to see this is a practice, 
that, hey, just for this set amount of time, you're going to sit, you can look at the pictures. And when they're done, ask them about it. What'd you learn? What was something interesting? Show me, show me your favorite page, right? Be engaged on that side of things rather than pushing what they have to read in their own independent time. Uh, Their independent time should be something that is actually growing their love of books and, and reading. Okay, so there's reading. Quick little recap, three kinds of reading you wanna be doing in your language arts program. Informational reading, that's like textbook study. Uh, literature units. So that's doing a novel together. That's where you're going to get your chapter book practice in. And, um, but it's guided. And then the independent reading. Okay. So all three of these. So see why language arts can take up so much time. All right. There are also three types of writing and that actually works out really well. And I love the number three, when it comes to writing, there are three main or core genres, categories, whatever you want to call them, when it comes to writing. And I shoot to do one uh, of each every semester. So the first one, and this is the order that I go in, but it doesn't have to be this order. This order just makes the most sense to me. So I always start with persuasive writing. So persuasive writing, that's giving your opinion Uh, That's the argumentative style for older children, but it's where you want to do just that, persuade or convince your reader to see your side of something. So it's very one-sided. It's a very one-sided form of writing. Um, When students get older, they are asked to consider the opposing view for a moment and then kind of give a rebuttal on that. Uh, But it's a very one-sided, this is what I believe, and this is why I believe it, that type of writing. And that's a great one to start with, in my opinion, because kids are very opinionated. (laughs) And here's the thing, they actually would like people to listen to their opinion. So what a perfect way to start any semester to say, hey, here's an idea for you. What if um, we studied, and this is one we did recently, we studied tiny houses which are, you know, kind of a craze um, out there. There are quite a few people who are choosing the tiny house uh, movement as a way to afford housing, um, to leave a smaller, um, you know, and more friendly footprint on the planet. Um, But they're not all great, right? There's limited water. So we had some articles both with the pros and the cons, and the students had to decide, would it suit their family? Yes or no? They had to take a side. You can't be wishy-washy with persuasive. So it was a great one. And it's a fun one to start with because right away I'm saying to them, what do you think? I want to know your thoughts. Well, who doesn't love that? That's just a great one to start with. And it really gives a strong purpose to writing. The second type of writing is the expository type, which can be your informational, your explanatory, be thinking like research papers, which that is the most commonly practiced academic style of writing in most schools and in most homes. So that's great. 
And we definitely want to do those, but we want to do all three. If all we're doing is research paper after research paper after research paper, we are missing the opportunity to teach our children how to have a one-sided opinion that's based with evidence. So when we get to these research pieces, we actually want to be very careful to leave our opinions out. It's the number one mistake that students make. When you're writing informationally, it should not be one-sided. It should not have an opinion that's controversial that somebody's going to disagree with. So just teaching the difference between those two can really be some light bulb moments for certain students. You're like, oh, I totally get the difference now. Um, the third style is narrative. And I always save that for last. Um, it's kind of more lighthearted and fun. And I feel like students have been writing narratives the longest, right? Even when we have, you know, little kids uh, in kindergarten and first grade, when I was teaching those grades way back when, they're natural storytellers. They love to create stories. Um, it's just a great use of imagination. So I don't feel like they need as much practice with that. What they need to practice within narrative at the elementary and middle school and high school levels is really developing a great plot. So those, the story events, they need a strong storyline with a somebody wanted, but so they need sensory description and dialogue. They really need to work on point of view, who's telling the story and keep that consistent. So there are some great and important things to practice with narrative. Um, but I always do that one last in the semester. So those are the three required types of writing um, for students in language arts. The third part of language arts, and let me just recap that. So the three writing styles, persuasive, expository, narrative. Now moving on to the third piece of language arts, that's called speaking and listening. Now, this is really important because for homeschooling families, the formal presentations that students are required to do in a classroom-based situation, um, well, that's a piece that's often missing. And yet it doesn't always have to be a formal presentation, but getting used to speaking in front of other people is a great part of practicing oral communication which is connected to interpersonal skills. So it is an important piece. Not only do they need to work on actively participating in some form of public speaking, but they also need to get good at listening to somebody else share thoughts and expression. They need to learn how to listen carefully to other people's ideas and then how to like integrate that information. Um, evaluate what it is they're saying, but also evaluate what it is they're hearing. So having the speaking and listening is a really critical part of language arts that you just want to make sure you're doing it. Now, you could always join a, a public speaking type of uh, class or group that is in your local area. That's a great way to do it. Um, in my writing courses, I actually require students, I say require, I never push them to do it, but I highly encourage that they show up weekly and we're practicing these skills of speaking and reading what it is we wrote and getting some feedback. It's just a really important skill to learn. 
Um, the final part of language arts uh, would be the language piece. And by language, I'm talking grammar and mechanics, the conventions. It's kind of like the rules of standard writing. So when you think of grammar, um, I always think of like knowing and understanding nouns and verbs and adjectives and adverbs, like understanding how language works. Um, but there's also the spelling piece, right? The spelling correct, um, you know, uh, proper nouns, uh, the correct homophones for there, there, and there, right? There's a lot of things related in that section. And then the mechanics is another part of language. And by mechanics, I mean um, where to put commas, how to properly use quotation marks, things like that. So there's all of those parts wrapped up in language. And there's a lot of great resources available these days. Um, I love Grammarly. Grammarly.com uh, is a great way to get feedback from all of the language components. And, and I mean everything. They not only check for grammar and um, and the uh, spelling and the conventions, but Grammarly, especially the paid version, um, is is excellent. A lot of charter schools uh, will help out with those kinds of subscriptions, or they used to. I don't know. Rules seem to always be changing, um, but that's just a great thing if you can subscribe to that for the school year and install it onto your Google Chrome extension, onto your Google Docs. It's a great thing for kids to check because it will also check for the clarity, the tone, um, the deliverability of how it, your writing is uh, being produced. So it's, it's, a, it's a really awesome tool. Okay, there you have it. Those are all of the parts of language art. So let's do a quick recap here. Are some of you like, wow, my head is just spinning. I had no idea it was so much. I know it is so much and it's totally doable. And it can be done in a way that isn't overwhelming. It's not like you have to do all these things every single day. It's, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So now that you know there are three kinds of reading, plug those in to your weekly schedule, your monthly schedule. Make sure you're doing a little of all of them. What days are you doing that informational reading? How many days a week are you going to work on the novel unit? That study, um, the independent reading, that's a great one just because you don't even have to be there. That I would recommend daily. Whether it's for three minutes, 30 minutes, or an entire hour, depending on how much your child loves to read, that's an easy breezy one. Doesn't take a lot of time from you. Also, make sure, the second part, the writing piece, make sure that for maybe four to five, possibly six weeks, you're working on persuasive, right? I, I take an entire month to teach students how to write one essay. An entire month, I am so much in favor of quality over quantity. So you just plan out for four to six weeks. You're going to work on persuasive. You're going to collect research information, which by the way, when they're researching, yep, that's informational reading. You can see how these tie together. Um, 
And then teach them how to take notes, teach them how to create an outline, teach them how an outline becomes a rough draft, how to revise, how to edit, and then how to share it. That goes right into the third part of language arts, speaking and listening. Who's going to hear it? I mean, you could just have them uh, record a little video of them reading what they wrote and send it to an aunt, a favorite aunt and say, hey, uh, you know, we wanted or jump on a Zoom meeting. And again, especially if your child's a little uncomfortable. Yes, good. That's the best part. They should be a little uncomfortable. It means they're doing something out of their comfort zone. And that, my friend, is growth. So push that a little bit. Just push it a little bit. Um, uh, and then don't forget the grammar piece, the language, the conventions, the mechanics, the spelling, all of that. Again, whether you do it per writing assignment, like it naturally is a perfect time to study those things when it's paired with writing, whether you get a workbook, um, gum is a good one, G-U-M, grammar, usage, and mechanics. Um, there's so many. Um, Shirley English was one we used to use as well. There, there's just a lot of grammar type programs. You can do them online. You can do them in a workbook. Like I said, you can even pair it with the writing and use it with Grammarly. Um, a lot of times when it's paired like that, it makes more of a connection with the children rather than just some random page in a workbook that they're like, when am I ever going to use this? Well, when you tie the language component with the writing component, they're like, ah, this is where I'm going to use that. It makes more sense. Okay, so there you go. Those are the parts of language arts. Um, if you need any help with this, please know this is what I do. This is what I teach. I can help and I am happy to do so. So come check things out. You can head on over to Write on Web and see what I have available, what's happening right now in our present moment. There's always something fun going on. So I will look forward to meeting up with you. And until we meet again, right on. Well, thanks so much for tuning in and listening this week. Hey, if this was something that you found valuable, don't forget you want to subscribe or follow so that every time a new episode is dropped, you'll be the first to know. And hey, before you go, if you are looking to get some of this academic writing under your belt and outsourced so that it's one less thing freeing you up to enjoy more time with your family, hey, you're going to want to head over to Write on Web. Dot com to see what kinds of resources and materials I have available for you. I will look forward to seeing you there and I will look forward to seeing you here in our next episode. Right on!